0: Oh, they're, they're... Welcome to the acclaimed podcast, The Deep Dive, featuring your esteemed hosts, Andy Monitor and Drew Dinzik, powered by BetSperts.
1: Welcome. Welcome to the Deep Dive. Andy, Euro was incredible today. I can't wait to talk some soccer. I'm very, very excited about today's episode. But right off the top here, uh, there's some exciting news. You guys are giving away some cool stuff. Uh, where do I get? How do I get involved? How do I get some of the details? Can you come can can oh, yeah. in here?
0: Right off the bat, summer giveaway. Hoodies went out over the Can't give away hoodies. It's too damn hot. And I didn't. Uh, I, didn't did, I didn't. You vetoed go- my idea of the the branded thongs. No, no thongs. No. Somebody brought that up in the chat mm. once, and that's not going to happen either. Like you can buy those at bars if you want, but I did want to go top shelf. So I got Yetis. You can get a Yeti. I have more states where you can sign up, and honestly, I've even had some nice. Things said about WinBet by some people who actually put some decent money down, like um, Andy McNeil, reached out and said that they they have a lower overround than some of the other places on hockey. Didn't understand why, but so makes me feel better that they're a half decent shop. So you can use these the links. I'll have some links if you want to sign up. Um, and there's some good guys over there, some circuit guys that are over there now. I talk to their traders quite a bit in the, on the back end. So you can get yourself this 30-ounce Yeti. I'll send it right to your damn house. All you have to do is sign up in one of the new states or one of the old states. It's Jersey, Colorado, Michigan, Virginia, Indiana, and Tennessee now. Links to be posted somewhere. I'll get them up as fast as I can. All you have to do is place your risk-free bet, which is the even best part. It's a risk-free bet. Bet yourself the biggest goddamn underdog you can find because that's what you should do with a risk free bet. Bet, bet, <laughs> and hungry, then you'll get hungry. immediately
1: limited at our, yeah,
0: hungry partners. 20 to hungry 20 to one. <laughs> bet them and then, yeah, send it, send a screenshot over. I'll post this on the Twitter as well. Free yeti, it's the big one too. It's like the Rambler. So, oh, nice, get yourself a yeti. And, uh, <laughs> how many white
1: claws too. will that fit? 30 ounces, 30. Uh, I don't, what's a not white three? claw, like
0: 11? No,
1: it's like 12. Somebody wants um, rompers. I don't ooh, know if we can do rompers. Romp hymns maybe. Uh, okay, well, let, let's, get, let's get to the meat of this podcast. All right. Um, it is, golf right now, golf, soccer, they are hot. The uh, U.S. Open is a wrap. We are coming up on the fourth major of the year, the Open. Uh, in the month of July, we got Olympic golf as well coming up in July. So a lot of fun uh, stuff going on in the world of golf. On top of the fact that the Euros are moving into the business end of the tournament, the knockout stages. So uh, we reached out to a guy that I think is unequivocally uh, a plus EV better, plus EV originator in the golf and the soccer markets to pick his brain on his process, give us a little bit of insight on what it takes to win money and what are some of the hardest markets to beat. Uh, so for the first time ever, welcome to the deep dive, Mr. Logan Matthews.
2: Thanks, sir. That was a uh, quite the introduction. I think you might oversold me a bit, uh, but we'll see what I can do.
0: We do our best to react. <laughs> it's like, the ob- yeah, we need to un- undersell over deliver with this, which I, I still think Logan, Logan will over deliver.
1: I think I mean, you are the current all-time leading winner in the Calcutta pool that I, as far as I know, I don't think anyone has taken home uh, more winnings out of the, um, uh, the, uh, the high limit Calcutta pools that I know of.
0: Uh, I got to think R- ROI for sure. Jeff, Jeff took yes. a bigger chunk. But he paid a lot for it. Your ROI yes. is clearly better, and yep. I mean, in the long run, money money's nice, but ROI is what we're after, aren't we? That's so how yeah, I judge
2: myself. So yeah,
0: yeah, that, that's how we're gonna sell this. But yeah, you know, <laughs> you you clearly you essentially w- without revealing how many people were in the group that you bid on to get that, you called Phil Mickelson to win his major at fifty years old, profited exactly. greatly off it. So no big deal on that, yeah. obviously. And yeah, you did okay in the last one too. So. Yeah, all pays, baby.
1: Mostly just concerned how high I'm going to have to go to outbid you for Louis Oosthese at the Open, uh, <laughs> guy knocking on the door for a second oh second uh, major here. But uh, no, let's talk. Let's get into a little bit of background here for people who don't know. So um, you're probably most well known on Twitter for getting Kelly in Vegas fired from her ESPN gig. Um, so props to you for that. <laughs> uh, but no, it's just in general, you kind of tell it like it is on Twitter. I really like uh, you know kind of what you have to say about a lot of things in the gambling space. Um, You know, I I guess you've been an advantage player in the soccer markets, in the uh, golf markets for how many years now? And, you know, what has sort of been your experience, you know, kind of as a U.S. player uh, given, you know, we see legalization spreading across the country.
2: Yeah. So I'd say I really started about three years ago and then maybe about two got two years ago, got super serious. Um, And it's been, it's been great. My experience in the legal US market, like we might call it, is more so this past year. But that happening and working with groups that are well equipped to attack those spaces has been huge. It's allowed me like a great amount of growth over the past year, you know, getting down at DraftKings and Barstool and, and things like that. Those are those are markets that in the past have been untouchable. So you know, all right. I can't just. I don't have to worry about just beating bookmaker or Bet Online or Pinnacle. Like it, you know, we've got more options now. So, from a revenue streams perspective, that's been the, the biggest the biggest help.
0: Right now, as we're speaking, what just because you're uh, better and you're betting a lot of soccer all the time, what's on your side monitor? Sporting camp, <laughs> oh, no. Sporting KC versus Colorado, or do you, or do you got <laughs> Brazil Colombia?
2: I have the entire MLS slate up.
0: Oh, I, dude.
2: I couldn't I couldn't try to to just attack six, one. S- one game. Six <laughs> matches on the <laughs> I was
0: gonna say It's a heavy slate. Like what a weird day. Also, yeah, like a bad day to have a heavy slate. Like let's go on, you know, on your final group day for euros. I guess they did kind of hold them later on. So yeah, good on the MLS for doing maybe one thing half right. I'm probably watching the
1: other one. I, what is uh, explain to me? What is the MLS market like in the US?
2: You can get a decent sized bet down at a shop like Barstool or DraftKings? So MLS really went through a change. I would say when I started three years ago or whatever, it was maybe a quote unquote soft market. Okay. Um, And things really changed last year during COVID because you guys remember MLS is back was the first real major U.S. sport. I think maybe the WNBA came back and then like very shortly after or right around the same timeframe. And at the time books were so desperate to get action Bookmaker was taking 5K overnight on MLS, which was like out of this world. And honestly, it's never really gone back. And now that's sort of become a standard of Bookmaker, um, Pinnacle, both taking 2.5 or 5 grand five grand overnight and then even more as we ramp up to it. So it it's had a very large growth. And I think it was largely because of the timing of MLS back with COVID.
0: Was that was that the weird like tournament they had right off the yeah. bat or whatever? Yeah. yeah. Right. I I actually don't even mind that stuff. Like even <laughs> even when like the you know the WNBA does something like it. The I think the NBA remember they talked about like the midseason tournament or whatever. Like mm-hmm. whatever do stuff. I was super happy with last year. Like leagues just kind of going rogue and like we're just gonna do whatever we want because this year doesn't matter. Like yeah. we're just happy we're doing anything. But yeah, I mean it it was goofy. Like there was you seem like and uh, you know some of these are offshore offshore books but a lot of their i mean how do you classify somebody like Dave Mason like just a pr guy you know, mm-hmm. some of some of those guys were like legitimately tweeting about table tennis every day. And it wasn't you know, and it was like tongue in cheek, like, Oh my god, you got we got crushed on you know this Ukrainian match. Like they they were kind of tongue in cheek. They wanted that action, like they wanted people betting on anything. Like hey, you remember like, what you guys uh, should get in on this, it's fun.
1: You remember what Jay told us from PointsBet? Bet, he's you know, the guy that's you know head trader for Points Bet in Colorado, said that table tennis is still their fourth most bet sport. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow, That's
0: once you same. get that taste, it's it's the heroine <laughs> of sports betting.
1: Okay, well, I one more question about the MLS market or I guess soccer markets in general. Yeah. Um, I am playing low stakes because I'm a degenerate and I know I really don't have an edge in this. I'm just doing it for fun, uh, so I really don't have any idea what the like is when you're saying two two and a half 5k overnight is that sides only sides totals like the exotic markets the, how like when do the exotic markets open up are they even worth considering or is all that all those derivatives just uh you know low limit nonsense
2: i would say yeah so i'm talking sides and totals um the derivative markets are interesting because it's it, and i'm not as familiar with other sports so i'm kind of speaking arrogantly here, but uh, I would assume that they are basically derived from whatever the side and the totals are, and the soccer market works very much in the same way, but the limits are, at least in these books that we're talking about, they're just slashed. So, um, you know, when you might be able to get five grand on the Sounders to win, if you really like their team total, you might be down to 500 or something like that. However, that's a place where the U.S. market really thrives is because... I assume because they assume US bettors are degenerates and they really just want to get down so they yeah. will allow them to bet 2 grand on Seattle Sounders team total and stuff <laughs> like that.
0: Do you do you have a take on like you know just the overall efficiency of the market? I I understand the market is super efficient in well I mean even just like say any major sport for sides. Any any of the major, you know, and including the especially the EPL, but probably other European major soccer leagues, and then Pinnacle just says, "Oh, we'll take we'll take 000, 000 a million dollars aside on on Europe." <laughs> like, is it is it that efficient? Are they are they that deep in in liability everywhere where it doesn't matter? Like, what do you think is going on with this? Because I just in my mind, it just doesn't click that people can get that efficient of numbers in this market for teams that just don't play together that much. This isn't you know, you, it's hard to have priors when these international competitions aren't this often. Like what is going on with the the limit for that?
2: Yeah, I find international tournaments, especially like you know, we talk specifically about the Euros, like it's really fascinating that Pinnacle is operating, you know, as Pizzola loves to tell us, million dollars aside at kickoff.
0: <laughs> it might have and, been a million Canadian.
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. And all right, so they're taking 400 grand to kick off or whatever <laughs> the exchange rate is. And, you know, but also it's not like, you know, bookmaker takes 50 grand to win on golf every week or 10 grand on matchups, but they also have like 8% whole. Pinnacles, I'm doing that. I mean, they're offering almost at like exchange margins mm. with huge limits. It's it's fascinating. So, um, you know, I've, I've said it other places, but I'm not really an international guy, especially when limits are this high because Obviously, limits are going to attract sharp people, so I assume it's sharp. However, I've also changed my mindset over maybe the past year of I don't really think anything's unbeatable. I think I kind of started in the space thinking like, oh, you can't really beat the NFL. You can't wake up on Sunday and make plus EV bets. I don't know if I totally believe that anymore, so I think I've changed my wow. mindset. So uh, I, I would say for sure it is beatable. By whom? That's a great question. I yeah, would like you're, know not, those
0: you're not going to
1: get the same volume, but you, but if you're, you know, yeah, yeah
0: beatable, yeah. beatable on a certain volume. And that makes me wonder, and this is, you know, you you talked about a little steam chasing there at the beginning when we first got on here and like, is there something to be said for the, the steam chasers, the board cleaners, the people hunting down rogue numbers that can watch those pinnacle numbers or somebody who's taking, I mean, even somebody who's taking hundred thousand or 50 even 50k limits on these if the big limits are attracting sharp people in a market like this this almost seems like a, a steam chasers paradise for that as far yeah. as especially when it's it's not the nfl where you know there, there's constant head fakes early in the week or midweek and you know, I, I guess there still could be people that reverse lines, but man, it would be I feel like it would be a lot harder to do something like that if they're gonna take massive limits and it's such an international market as well where you're having, you know, big groups from overseas hitting it as well.
2: Yeah, and they're not even like I would assume, okay, pinnacle's taking million a million dollars aside or whatever it is. You know, that number's gonna basically be that number. But if, you know, like as a prime example, I watched the Italy line the first match of euros and i want to say in the morning they were maybe like minus 155 and it closed close to minus 200 like Mm. at 500k limits think about the amount of volume that was coming in on italy there so you know if you're paying attention can you certainly get down other places i i would imagine so and i imagine people are well equipped to take advantage of that but yeah that was sort of a fascinating thing from from my perspective
1: I guess overall, have you seen or noticed anything about the Euro market and just, I guess, directionality even like, yeah, no, the, whoever's moving these numbers is not doing so based on gut is <laughs> not, it's, this isn't like a, cause it's like a you know, a million dollar limit can go a couple of ways. You can try to attract the sharp money, get as sharp a bet as possible, write lots of action, or, you know, you this is like marketing. Like you know, hey, right. you, you who love soccer, you know we're t- we'll take a million dollar bets. You know, uh, you know, there. I, I, I'm not sure I'm sold either way on this. But have you felt like the in general
2: the directionality of sort of the sides at least in the euro has been pretty sharp so far? Yeah, I know. Oh, well, I know we're going to talk about somebody else getting million dollars down on a side of stuff, but uh, I think I had this conversation with an English friend of mine, and he was like, oh. You know, England's always short at these tournaments because there's so much dumb English money. I was like, I need you to understand the grasp of how much dumb English money there would need to be (laughs) to make like Like, we're talking the GDP, like five
1: percent of the GDP. (laughs) What what percentage of the GDP do you have to get down to make to make mood money that way? Well, and
0: yeah, there's been a missing piece to that equation in my mind for a long time. And it does always seem like England's short. And then the instant answer is everybody, you know, it's coming home, and there's so much stupid. you know, local, uh, you know, just donkey English money. But then you see these stats about the what the average. We'll call them punters if we're talking about Englishmen. What the <laughs> average punter bet? I mean, their I've, average bet I've size quit. is like five dollars. You know, yeah, yeah. they they don't treat it like the same. You know, we're over here, and every Tom, Dick, and Harry who gets the DraftKings app just oh, I'm going to get rich. This is my job now. So they're betting. You know, <laughs> the, the, what, they put five hundred dollars in, and they're betting five hundred on the first game. So you, you know, it, over there, it's more of a just like hey, this is a fun way to enjoy it. It's almost just like you know, putting a few bucks in DFS and playing some fun lineups in the Millie Maker, like they treat it like more of a you know a recreational thing. Like, how many five quid bets does it take to make those lines off balance? Right, right. We were talking lot.
2: about every English person, every yeah, British person there's getting 56,
1: down on that. there's 56 million people in England. If they all play a
2: $5 bet, is that enough money to, to move Yeah, now, now we're talking about an impact. Um, <laughs> my counter, and I don't know if this is true, but my hypothesis was, maybe it's not that England's always short. It's just that maybe, except for basically, I think it was the most recent World Cup where they were semifinalists, like basically except for that, they've just always underperformed. So maybe it's not that they're short. It's just maybe they just haven't done as well as we might expect yeah. them to or as the market might expect them to.
1: It also could be very fine margins, too. I mean, like, if you're, if you're building out your hold, just put it all on England. <laughs> you know I mean? Yeah. Like they, for sure, uh, you know, you're going to write, you, if you know you're going to write imbalanced action anyway. Um, yeah, why not? Um, but, yeah, your point is fair. I think that they have generally underperformed, at least in the modern time. You know, I think if you go back to the 90s, I think they sucked um but at least in like sort of the mid to late 2000s um uh you know they've started to have a relatively quality team and underwhelmed in the international stage um so i guess so then in general like, i guess have you felt like the results that we've gotten so far in the group stage you know if we're seeing sharp money moving these markets have we gotten fair
2: results overall in your opinion yeah i would think i'm trying to come up with maybe results that went against the market i mean but uh, that, that that italy won was a ton of money late and they dominated turkey um
0: the, Demi- Ru- oh, the russia movement like the everybody everybody liked russia before the tournament in their first match and it went the other way like i seen yeah, a bunch Belgium of dominated yeah i've seen a bunch of you know let's sharp or semi-sharp people that like yeah, this Russian number is good, and then you just watched it get steamed to the Bejesus belt the other way, and it was one way traffic in the game. Like it is interesting to watch, like actual like close. It's lovely to see closing line value matter. Like yes, yeah. yes, it feels good after like all these. You you get a great number in a tennis match, and there, your guy just gets trucked.
2: I say one thing I'm I'm fascinated by, and I I've noticed this a lot in this the Slack chat is the amount of people who. I don't want to say necessarily betting on narrative, but building out the story of how, especially in this final round of games, where like people are playing for specific results, like <sighs> you know, oh, so and so they have to win. So, I, I, I did, there was one person who was like, I think it, there was a game where someone had to win. If they tied, they both were eliminated. He was like, I'm just going to bet the money line on both sides, and I think that's a good bet. And I was like, well, first off, just bet odd goals. Like you're going to hit less with juice on that, <laughs> and. Secondly, like, I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know if that's really the way that it works out. Like, just because two teams want a win doesn't necessarily mean that that's going to happen. I don't know. I'm fascinated by people playing to. Well,
0: that narrative comes up a lot as well when you're in, let's say, Champions League, Euro, or uh, uh, Europa, things like that. Any of those tournaments with multi leg matches where you play a home and away and there's an aggregate goal. And you see people, especially just the. Anybody who's like a horseshit Twitter capper on, on soccer like me, it's like oh you know they're oh, they're they're just playing that aggregate like oh man this team's. Down three one, like they have to score goals, otherwise they'll they'll lose this. Well, yeah, but they the other team knows that too, and like they are to be like, right. wow, well, they're they're down a bunch. Should we should we spot them a couple at the beginning? Like a lot of teams want to score, want to win, want to move on. That doesn't mean that's what, like it's not what's going to happen. It, it does feel like there was a lot of that surrounding England, based on like, oh, they're trying to drop matches because they want to draw an easier opponent. Like, did you see the? The fuckery and the just uh, watching what the live uh, the live table was and just in Group F and then the third place teams during the last hour of the matches today, like you can't yeah. put yourself in like, all right, here's what we're gonna do: we're gonna win the first one, draw the second one, lose the third one, and then we'll probably play Spain. <laughs> like, there's just no there's no no teams are doing that like let's let's plan ahead so we can pick out our opponent in three weeks like it's just not a it's not a thing that's feasible nor and i really don't think managers are playing to that yeah yeah, I'm no, right there I, with
1: you. yeah but in a good segue though um so what percentage of your price making your handicapping is quantitative versus qualitative and do you weave any uh, situational factors, any type of, you know, are you just trying to come up with as close to a fair price as possible? The numbers are telling me this. I have my process, I have my algorithm. This is where, this is what the fair price is. Or are you uh, trying to get a little bit fancier in terms of capturing situational highs and lows, things
2: like that around team performance? Yeah. So I think there's sort of three parts to, and this would apply to both soccer and golf. And I would talk mostly about soccer. So I can stick to that. You know, there's, all right, how do I model this sport out? How do I, we think about soccer, right? You've got to project 22 people and six subs and how the managers are going to react. And like, there's a lot of moving parts. And so you, you don't necessarily need to predict them in a minute, but you need to come up with a way to actually model that out. So that's obviously very um, quantitative. There's the piece about, you know, your inputs Whoever's in it, you know, again, golf or soccer, like I need to know how good John Rahm is, and not just how good John Rahm is. I can put that John Rahm's very good, but that doesn't really tell me how good he is relative to Morikawa or somebody else. Like, I need data to suggest just how good John Rom is relative to everyone else. And the same thing for soccer, you know, I need to know how good the Netherlands are versus Ukraine or whoever they're playing. And then the third piece that you've kind of talked about is that subjective adjustment. And I think there's probably people in the world who make money, and that's in, at sports betting, and that's all they're good at. They 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 don't even need to model it out, especially in very efficient markets, right? Like you know, the yep. NFL's, you can get pretty close to how good a team is based on the NFL, and if you can make subjective adjustments based off you know what happened in the last game and any stuff that's come out, news, injuries, whatever. If you can get really good at that, there is a market, and there's money to be made just on that.
1: I could not agree with you more. Uh, I think that, and I think there are probably people who wait till the end of a market cycle for NBA, NFL, uh, and they slide their action in somewhat unseen and they're winning long term in those markets by doing exactly what you're saying. Um, and yeah, you're using the wisdom of the crowds to get a fair price for the most part. Otherwise, you know, it's, uh, it's fascinating to see that, but on the quantitative side, then, um, you know, without giving away all the secret sauce, how do you capture team level performance when you're talking about one or two events that happen over the course of 90 minutes, determine the outcome.
2: (laughs) Yeah. So this is, this obviously a loaded question, but you know, there's, I've had a lot of discussion with people in terms of expected goals, which I know you guys are familiar with, and it's maybe a step in the right direction in terms of how we try to solve soccer as a sport and, you know, okay, there may only be one, there could be zero goals in a game. And how do we take that information and go forward? Well, will actually can solve a lot of that issue because now we're talking, all right, maybe there were no goals, but I'm been 15 shots and we can give those specific values and get an idea of teams. Um, and so can we take that and go, it doesn't, you know, we can't take that and go and solve soccer because there's more to it. Um, you know, I have in my notes here in terms of uh, things to talk about when it comes to Euros, like Belgium. Belgium are massively overperforming there, XG. However, that's the thing we might expect. You've got Lukaku as your striker and you've got all this attacking talent. You're going to do better than XG, right? Like if you have a better than average striker, you're going to do better. You know, if you had a better than average goalkeeper, you're going to do better there. So it's not, it's not the whole answer, but it can get us part of the way.
0: Yeah. And that's the thing, like a whole bunch of, there, there's so many things with XG context that really, really pickle my brain. We were talking before you joined us here, Drew and I, and this kind of came up this afternoon when I got to thinking about XG, and it kind of went off a question that I asked somebody years ago about XG. And he said like, hey, the XG you see like in public places or like infogoal and stuff like that. It's, it's good information. It's decent information. He's like, but there's groups that have much better XG data and they're paying big money for it. Like not all XG data is, is created equal. And it really got me thinking because and if anybody doesn't completely understand it, it's just putting a value on a shot. If somebody takes a really, really hard shot and then you know it, it's worth you know wh- I don't know what's what's a really low one, Logan. I mean that half court shot that the, the, yeah, the yeah Czech the, the yeah the Scott had the worst I thought
1: that was like point oh one or something like yeah, that. But the check one yeah, was the check well. one
0: was like yeah they they say like three percent of the time that's or less than that like 0.03% of the time or something, that's a goal. So, you know, if if there's an empty net in front of you and you have the ball, it's, it's almost a full goal. Like it's basically the quality of the shot, how often that shot's going to end up in a goal and you total it up. So like a bunch of low value shots add up to, you know, a goal or two sometimes. And I think there's some context that gets lost, but at the same time, this one really pickled my brain. You know, you get one of these Breakaway plays where it's a three on three. There's a beautiful touch, a pass up the side. You get it to your striker. He buries it and he was offside by like that, a half a shoe. Now it was a very high danger situation with a really good, you know, top end striker. In mm-hmm. reality, it was probably worth like, you know, 0. 0.6 goals.
1: Yeah. Last I'm score sp- was big chancing you.
0: Yeah, big chance. <laughs> you're, you're getting the red dot. You're getting a <laughs> big chance. And in the end, when they give you the end of the game XG data for that it's worth 0.0 when they, when they var something, when they call it offside, it's not worth anything because they're saying, well, that was never, they were never in danger of scoring because he was offside. Whereas in, you know, in real time, it's like, well, I mean, it was pretty damn close. Like, tells you about still, the quality too, of their
1: attack to a yeah, degree. Yeah, it tells you a right.
0: lot about the, the quality of the play, the quality of the team, the quality of the, the offense in general. But at the end of the day, you get two of those that were worth, you know, maybe like one, 1. 1.2 goals, and they're completely wiped. Like, are there people that are taking that granular context, adding it in and doing stuff with that, which God, the Giants over? What a gift here.
2: I would imagine the people who routinely dominate large markets, right? Like if you were going to go, like, all right, I'm going to solve EPL. and I'm going to try to beat the Premier League. I don't think – let me rephrase that. I'm all but certain you could not take a public XG model and blindly use it and get there. There was a thing um, on Twitter. It was whenever the U.S. played, um, and it was Taylor Twelman who was – somewhat notorious for, he announced he's been (laughs) announcing New York games and he's the next United States player. And someone posted the XG from the US game. And I don't think it was the Mexico game. It must have been the Honduras game. And Honduras XG was like 0.4. And he was like, what a joke. They had an open net header and they had a one-on-one that was saved. He's like, this is totally invalidates it. And if we assume that all XG models are the same, then I would probably agree with him. But a really good XG model, so to give some context, there's a shot that comes across, or it's a cross, and a header to the back post, and the goalie comes out for the U.S., and he completely misses the ball, and so it's basically a wide-open goal, and the guy heads it in, it's cleared off the line. Now, that XG model may not account for where that goalie is, so if it assumes the goalie's in position, then that's worth almost nothing, right? It's like a yeah. terrible angle from...
0: Yeah, goalie Goalie just catches it, and we move simple,
2: on. Simple, right? So it's, it's worth almost nothing, and... So a bad XG model might give that, I don't know, 0.01 or 0.1, right? But if you had a really good XG model and it knew that, okay, the goalkeeper's out of position and now this is an open header, then it might give it a 0.6 or a 0.7. And so I think anybody who on really high stakes are beating those markets, they are, well, they're one they're probably not using a public model, they very likely are using, you know, private data. They're paying for it. And I would also probably go as far as say they're probably using that and then doing more with it. Like, you know, somebody like StatsBomb, yeah. they're giving you stuff and they're doing the best they can. But if I know what I really want to capture, I can probably manipulate good play-by-play data and get it to look exactly like what I want.
1: Yeah, no, that makes sense. So what is XG good for, public XG? What is it good for besides uh, belly aching about a bad
2: beat because oh, your team yeah, should have won? Yeah, Scotland's <laughs> first match. <laughs> um, I, I, I think it still has value, right? I think if, especially if you have it, the, the the main issue that exists at the moment for using public XG data to try to bet is the markets where that's available, AKA the markets where someone might care about that are big markets. And so now good we're getting point. to the people we talked about who might have their own private data or are paying for data. So it's just when this immediately goes down. But if you had good XG data, for small markets, okay, well now it's older for ballgame. Now we're talking about things that I can really use and create an edge with. So those would be the areas where if you could find that data, that would be super useful.
1: I love this. So. I won't go any further into this because I don't want to give away. But we have, oh we have oh we have a couple of big chances in
0: MLS right now.
1: <laughs> I see. I, them. I, I, I see them the, coming.
0: I put on the Spanish version of New York Atlanta, and it's, it's not as fun because I I have the sound off because we're recording.
1: Dynamo is good. Uh, anything you anything you're sweating that we can sweat along with you while we do the interview?
2: Um, yes, yeah, so my biggest position tonight is Sporting KC. Ooh, they got like a big a chance.
1: Zero. They got a big chance though.
0: It's, it's flashing now. right now, Logan. It's, fl-
1: it's, bl- it's blinking right now. Anybody who
0: doesn't did, doesn't have flash score to DJ soccer like I've <laughs> I've almost crashed. I shouldn't even admit this. I don't look at my phone when I drive. I've almost crashed. I've almost crashed a car thanks to the. It used to be just the flashing red dot. Like the no, flashing no. red dot. Oh my god, that, yeah. that can send you crazy. off, especially when it's, it's especially when it's uh, one of these where they don't score. Sorry. One of the best oh, like man, advances.
2: One of the best advances for sweating soccer recently has been. I know some people don't like it, but I'm a huge fan of it. Is all these leagues have moved to the paid streaming services like ESPN Plus has ten leagues, and so that's yeah. just been huge. I can remember yeah. not when I was betting, but when I just wanted to watch. Like I always do. Example, of, like trying to watch Josie Altador like ten years ago. He was yeah. playing in the Netherlands, like a huge league that I should have been easy to watch. And I'm like on websites that are trying to steal my computer information. And it's like, I'm just trying to click through the stuff. Like, um, I don't know if it's first row sports <laughs> still around. Road. I remember you watching. I first don't row know. Sports. Batman streams was Batman a streams is pretty rough. We <laughs> used to,
0: <laughs> there's a lot of, uh, it's the same Sporting thing KC. with tennis.
1: Sporting Casey scored.
0: <laughs> Casey <KC> scored. <laughs> <KC> scored.
1: <laughs> Yeah, no, the batman. Yeah, the tennis was like that back in the day, too, because when I was getting first going modeling tennis, I needed to put eyes on it a lot. And in fact, a lot of what I saw watching and then kind of thinking back about my process of coming up with my numbers really changed my pro- you know, my process was iterative big time mm-hmm. early on. Do you still see things in soccer um, or and or, or golf that make you kind of think twice about sort of the, the fundamental
2: uh, underpinnings of your quantitative approach? Yeah, I think that's a, that's a that's a good point and good question. I think some I can even give some maybe some more recent examples in golf. Like, I was watching something last year, some like random event. I don't remember what I had it on, and somebody had a hole in one. I was like, wow. I don't remember if I was form or against him or whatever. I was, you know, it's like, oh okay. I remember thinking like, man, that's gonna have like such a huge impact on their shots gained approach, like having a hole in one, right? So I don't know what the average is, especially if it's a hard par three, right? Maybe it's a. 2 stroke game shot. I mean, you're talking significant, significant data, yeah. and it's like, wait. Well,
0: yeah, th- there's par threes that you know they average like three point two, right? <laughs> but you can, you can have a massive swing on one hole.
2: And what what triggered this thought to me was the shot wasn't particularly good. Like if I remember correctly, it bounced like five yards or five feet short of the hole, hit the stick and dropped straight down. You know that shot I'm talking about. <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh, yeah. man, this thing is headed for off the green, and it's you know it's going to fly past. And this is this is a bad shot, but if you don't know how to properly adjust that data, you might just take it, you know, if you get it raw, it's gonna be like, oh, gain two shots on their approach or two and a half or a one and a half. And it's like, sometimes it's it's useful to visualize that stuff and mm-hmm. actually see it and think about how that's gonna affect your data later on. And same thing with, with XG, like if you go back, as someone has said this to me before and it always kind of stuck with me, like if you watch a game and then you go back and that XG doesn't match what you saw, it's probably the XG and probably not your eyes. Like something probably happened on there. That's a fair point. So, I we, really so,
0: like the example of the goalie, like being yeah, out of position. That was good. Like, yeah. Like, that That does feel like one where if they're just using, like, you know, I, I don't know if some of these are even using video data. If they're using, I mean, is there like player tracking data? Like, we have an NFL, you know, some of the advanced stats stuff where you, you have the players sure. running around in little dots, like Sports Info
1: the, Solutions, I'm sure.
0: Yeah, yeah, I feel if you have that in in soccer and they're not taking into the account like a goalie falling down or just like or or getting tangled up with the def- you see that they get tangled up with the defender and it's like oh man like yeah. Well, even s-
1: they they yeah even knowing where they are as a dot isn't yeah, even knowing where they are as a dot isn't going to totally help you. You almost need to chart it, you know, to a degree yeah. because if the guy's laying on the ground on his face versus, you know, he's got his face, you know, he's facing the you know the uh, you know the ball and the striker, you're going to get a different outcome. So, you're telling me we need an army of uh, people charting every golf (laughs) shot so that we can get a strokes gained luck box statistic? And, uh, and take, take that out of the strokes games approach. So we know who's actually good on approach. Okay.
2: I've always, I've, I've always had this goal and I'm sure you guys are the same, like a season ends, you're like, I'm gonna take a little break and then you get all these goals of like things you want to accomplish before the next year starts. And like, one of them's like, I can probably do better than shots game. Like I can, I can just (laughs) rebuild this and come up with a new fashion a new approach to this. And it's yet to happen, but it's still on my list of of things to accomplish. So, so then, how often do you?
1: Yeah. (laughs) How often do you go and update your, you know, your quantitative approach?
2: I try to examine it every off season, and normally, what I end up doing is I have an idea of how to make it better, and I'll go and I'll test it, and like building it out, like I get ahead of myself on the ground. I'm gonna go ahead and build this into the model and get it ready, and then I back test it, and then it's not useful, or you know, I look at it and I'll do an out of time sample and it's like, oh, this looks great. And then I'll test it against, you know, build it into the model and I start going. I'm like, oh, this is not accomplishing what I need to. So a ton of it is trial and error and trying things and seeing if it makes it better. And sometimes it does. Sometimes it doesn't. And so, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead
0: I mean, let's stay, let's stay on golf and anybody who is listening that hope to hear some stuff about the the euro bracket you know, the knockouts, we'll, we'll, we'll end the show with that. We'll get that. We'll have some graphics up here, but let's kind of pivoting over to golf and like the context you were talking about in soccer really made me think about some of those things, you know, especially your hole in one example. It's the same thing with, you know, you have strokes gained around the green. You find some guys like, Oh man, he's really, he must be really chipping it. Well, like he gained, you know, all these strokes around. And then you go, if you went back and looked at shot by shot data, it's like, well you have two or three lucky hole outs from like a collection area or a, you know, a sand trap, like it's, you know, one of those bunkers that's guarding the greens. It's like, well, you know, around the green is going to be super skewed. And then I I just think there's so much context that gets missed with some of that. And same thing with, uh, if anybody's familiar with proximity, I don't know, maybe Logan can explain proximity better, but basically like, it has to do with like how, how close you are to the hole. I mean, proximity is from any area is a circle. Like if you, if you're looking at anything that's within 20 feet of the pin is a 20 foot, you know, uh, radius around the pin. And sometimes that's in the water. <laughs> like, or, you know, <laughs> Like you can say like, it, it could be, it can be a really small green or a really weird pin position and be like, you know, you really want to look at proximity when like that circle you draw around the pin on some of these holes is, you know, in a water or in, you know, in a deep rough, like some of that proximity stuff, just, it doesn't make any sense to me realistically using that. And you see that stuff pounded over and over. And I, I mean, the context for golf is mind, mind pickling every week for me because, you know, just, and just the, you know, trying to wash some of the data based on the quality of the fields and things like that. Some of this really hurts my brain. So, I mean, how do you, how do you fight through some of that stuff outside of just like the, the whole in one examples, like edge case, but I mean, there's a lot in the middle of that too, with context. For sure.
2: Like, um, yeah, a ton of great points. I think XG and shots gained are, you know, the different sports, but they kind of go along the same thing. Like, all right, this is a great starting point for how we can, you know, quantitate this data that we have and how good a golfer is or how many shots they should score and blah, blah, blah. But there's always going to be better ways to do it. And I think going back to how we talk about like, Oh, you know, how do you model out a sport? You model it out and then you get the team inputs, but then there's always these subjective adjustments. And, you know, I think it can, it can be both on, you know, like, Oh, shots gained isn't as good as it could be. It could definitely be better. And there's things we can do to improve it. But then there's just also stuff that a market is going to catch that, I can't catch, you know, quantitatively. I can give you an example that was in the golf Slack chat, which I know you guys are both big members of. Uh, Earlier this year, I cannot remember the event. It was someone in the California swing. And I was unbelievably short on the market compared to Molinari. And I couldn't figure out why. And someone in the Slack chat was like, oh, he was coming off at the the event. Like he'd shot a 77-76 or something like that in his last event and so like course history course event just doesn't look good for him but someone in the slack chat was like oh after the last event he moved there to this course and it became his home course and so he plays you know whatever and he can shoot 65 in the sleep and blah 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 you know this is totally subjective it, it may have not even been true Luckily, i was able to verify it with some <laughs> news stories so it was actually good data and so that's an area where it's like there is no model in the world that you can like put in like, oh, I have a checkbox here for, you know, Molinari moved here during the off season. Like this doesn't exist, but the market's really good at capturing those things. And so if you adjust and respect the market, that's a good thing. You can, you can figure out
0: that's, I mean, that's a really good point for literally any sport, any modeling, any market, any bet. If you have something that you're so wildly off market with, if you're doing some modeling, Start asking some goddamn questions because, right. I mean, th- the other option is to bet, you know, three times your bankroll full Kelly, which is, <laughs> you know, seems like the, the bad option in this place. But right. yeah, like try to figure out why <laughs> you are so incredibly off market with something. And I mean, we, we do make fun of this in the Slack chat sometime, like the sleeping in his own bed angle and like, oh, <laughs> he's from here. And like he, But I mean, there, there are sometimes it's like, you know, this guy's a member at this club. He plays at a shitload in the off season or he lives in Arizona. This is one of the courses he plays. Like that is full on a thing where some of these guys are super comfortable. Well, with cause the course. course
1: management matters to a degree. And if you are familiar with the course, then your course management of that course should be better than average. Right. Sure. And when this goes along to like how you, what you do with the data, like, yeah, I can tell from just the conversation that I see you guys having in the golf slack that like, yeah, you account for, uncertainty and variability and the randomness of a guy's, you know, his standard deviation around his strokes gained or whatever. And it, have, that's super frigging important because if you have a high variance guy and a low variance guy and they're matched up together, like there's a way to tease out an edge. Absolutely. If you know that. Yeah um and I, you know most of the freaking edges i found in my life sports betting were either quantifying something that no one was quantifying or looking specifically at trying to dial in on an uncertainty and guess what if you just take all of the data and you throw it in a pot and you say what's my uncertainty and everybody's equal and it's all uncertain then you're like ah well it's all random there's no way to sort any of this out but if you can dial down on some of the uh, context questions if you can sort out why some guys perform well on certain you know certain so certain scenarios uh then you can absolutely uh you know give yourself numbers that um, you know reflect reality a little bit more appropriately and uh, you know a ton of that is just well where's where ought my median be for that data that i have and then you know what is the uh what is the uncertainty but anyway
0: did you see that new york goal
1: <laughs>
0: new york city yeah this is why i don't watch mls <laughs> <laughs> just this is just bad. Like it was worse. It was almost as bad. Well, the Russian, the Russian one where he passed, he back passed to the other team. That was pretty rough. But well, yeah, it wasn't I got, that far off. Um, I got one no, last I'm, question about golf,
1: 100%. and then let's let's pivot. The so the golf market is kind of unique, at least. And it's funny, like we're cats and raccoons here. I'm playing NBA and NFL. I don't really look at uh, soccer. I don't really look at golf. And so our experiences, I'm sure, are super different. But. I got to imagine you care a little bit about who's making markets in golf, right? You care you know, who's, sure. who's, who's betting into these markets? Why are they moving? I can, I, you know, I, there's only a, it's a, it's a small freaking world. You know, who the other limit players are, uh, and you can tell pretty clearly, Oh, this guy likes this guy. Uh, you know, do you generally kind of considering you're effectively playing against all of these other limit bettors in golf? Do you kind of evaluate, you know what they're doing to get their numbers, and have a general expectation of who you know who's going to be high on who on a given week, and try to take advantage of that in your process, or are you just in a vacuum? These are my numbers. You know, we're going to attack the board.
2: No, I think I think you're absolutely right. I, I mean, one it helps that I I think I'm friendly with most of them. You know, Rufus and AD, and like having conversations with them is always useful. I think there are times where you know. Rufus will say, I have so-and-so there here, or, you know, AB's always giving out plays. And if I'm not there, you know, if I can't get to that number, I it's it's I, I need to, like, come up with the reason why. Like, here's someone who's very sharp and knows what they're doing, but it's a very different number for me. Somebody's wrong. And, you know, to bring up our buddy, J Mas when Xander is 11 to 1 for the U.S. Open, let's say I have him 25 to 1, and I'm like, man, this is this is so far off. What's going on here? My reaction is not to call somebody a fucking idiot for betting it down to 11 to one. It's to come up with the reason that they got there. And sometimes that's going to be a reason that I need to, I need to get to, to use the Molinari example, right? Like, oh, I'm, I'm double what the market is on him. Why is that? Oh, it's because he lives there and plays every week. And so he's going to dominate. You're going to play a lot better than I might otherwise. Well, that's helpful. So I'm not going to blow all my bankroll fading him in matchups. Then there's times yep. where you're gonna figure out what the market's doing, and it's not gonna be helpful. Um, an example is in the Slack chat this past year. This is in the soccer. I people was like, "Oh, I'm really on." I don't, I don't
0: delve into that one. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, it was
2: it was an under. There's some real maniacs in there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was an under for <laughs> Atletico Madrid and somebody. I don't remember who they're playing. I was on like under two and a quarter. I was like, "Yeah, I like this play." And this is a pretty efficient market like i don't expect my numbers to be very far off you know a little bit each way lineups come out and it goes 40 cents the opposite direction and <laughs> what i hadn't accounted for was their like star striker um this guy they bought from the portuguese league um yeah felix sorry if i'm butchering his name he was now and i had i had known like oh he might see time that's useful but so I, I had a counter for that somewhat, but it moved way farther than I would have expected. And so that's a time where I'm like, all right, this is the only logical explanation as to where I why I disagree with the market, is they're giving him like a 0.6 goal value, which is insane. And that's where I was like, no, I'm not buying it. You know, I respect the market, but I think the market's overreacting to this, so I'd hit it again. Um and so there's times where both works, but if you don't at least ask the question like, all right. How do I? How, what happened that my number is so far off? I think you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna struggle because all that's gonna happen is you're gonna consistently be short. All models have weaknesses, if you can't start to figure out what that is, or at least let the market help you figure out what that is, you're just gonna constantly be betting the same things over and over again that you're short on, or that you're not correct on, but more or less, and you're just gonna dock away your bankable.
0: You know. All, all models are wrong, Logan. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's funny, like I don't even say the quote right anymore. I still say, and you're not even fucking trying it because I, <laughs> I can't even like. Who is it? Box. Like the original quote is like, but some are useful. That's not Twitter. <laughs> ruined my brain for that. Uh, you brought up uh, abnormally distributed ad in the golf chat and to be fair i won't even hunt for this tweet because this lunatic deletes all his tweets like I mean, <laughs> three three weeks like uh i don't know why for, for some reason he does that to stay off the grid sometimes he disappears into the wilderness but he had a pretty good one a couple months back where he brought up like his closing line value his long-term closing line value in golf in a market that he bets very heavily and he basically and this is not something and I think it's like, oh, he's arguing with somebody and we should take a side. Like he has a huge sample of highly successful golf betting where he showed very little closing line value on his numbers. Like what what was your take on that? Did you I mean, we can just say, you know, closing line value. We've always here on the deep dev. we always said like it's a spectrum. It matters more or less in some markets and sometimes it doesn't matter at all, especially you get in some prop markets, people like, Oh my God, it, it went from, it's like the guy, the weirdo from Vegas where she's review went from like 500 to one to 100 to one. It's like, buddy, it moved like a quarter percent. Like like if you bring that down to probabilities, like nothing happened, but you know, did you have a take on that? Because I mean, that, That kind of had me, that that kept me up at night, honestly.
2: Yeah, I thought it was interesting. I think AD is a unique case study, and I would definitely hesitate anyone to extrapolate significant things from what he has done. Obviously, he's very sharp. He does extremely well. I think there's something to be said of, you know, it's been said before, but people who are really confident in their stuff they don't want closing line value they want to stay off the market you know they want mm-hmm. to stay off the screen that's part of it that you know that's sort of maybe part one part two is if I am consistently betting into the market you know, AD and I've had this conversation a ton because you know we're limited everywhere so we can bet a bookmaker and pinnacle and that's it and so you, you are a 100% affecting the market you bet into it and the market if they respect your action they're going to move it um, you know Pinnacle is basically an exchange. They they take your money and move the number and keep going. You know, if you're not seeing close line value in a market that you you are helping shape, that would certainly concern me. If I was betting into Pinnacle, you know, whatever limits day of and it bounced back to me every time. I mean, even over like a hundred game sample size. Assuming we're we're talking about any kind of efficient market, right? Anything, any decent limits. If I'm betting the Armenian Premier League and the only time I can get four digits sound is at kickoff and I'm you know blasting the number and maybe someone else hits it back but that doesn't matter to me that I'm fine I, I don't care about the market i I, I don't think enough people are going to be involved here to make it to make me respect it now if I bet something at pinnacle for mlS overnight and you know maybe they're taking 2500 side or whatever and you know I max it and it moves but by the time I wake up it's moved back and it closes and keeps moving against me that's probably something I'm doing wrong. Obviously, if any time that I'm involved in it and helping move the number, th- that's going to artificially create CLV. So if it's not actually creating CLV, that would definitely be a, a, a you know flashing red sign to me.
0: Yeah, and I, I mean, it's like when I used to bet just, I mean, people, people could call me a whore, I guess, but I used to bet, you know, like this low limit bet online openers on some small college basketball. And it's like, you know, I showed a CLV number and it's like, well, this isn't a real CLV number because it's like, these are stupid soft openers and stupid soft markets and just the, you know, betting it and posting it. Yeah. Create your own CLV. Someone says in the chat, (laughs) but uh, I mean, it is interesting, like, and you bring up the differences in, you know, how people affect the markets, especially people that can only at bookmaker pinnacle some of the real big shops to take real big limits but i often wonder about that with you know like you say ad is very confident and this is going to kind of spin into a question for drew as well it's one thing you're betting into la liga you have 20 teams you have that market sharpens up in a hurry you get to like match day 20 people kind of know where things are going to end up and people are taking some guesses on lineups and things but with golf like you know ad has said this too he he's said you know like this this market won't move or it keeps bouncing back against me and he will just keep hitting the button and he'll just keep betting it because it's like he's he's of the mind where if i make the number this and then market's that and i show value i'm going to bet it until it's not that and i mean and if someone someone who is of a different mind on that same matchup is disagreeing and bouncing it back to him and he's betting a massive you know one of his biggest bets is getting little to maybe no or negative clv on the week but he's confident enough and it's coming through like that's going to skew your closing line value numbers for maybe half the season, really. And at, at the same point, it's, it's two golfers out of 150. It's not right. two teams that we're seeing. We're seeing these teams play 90 minutes a time. You're seeing, different golfers on different courses matched up against different people every week. Like that stuff isn't just going to automatically sharpen up the next week based on how they play four or maybe even two rounds that week. So I think golf and, and drew, I want to hear about your tennis. Like, I feel like I see a lot of people that just, they have tennis go completely against them. And it's like, well, it was still the right side. There was just somebody somewhere that didn't like it. And I, I guess that's, I mean, do you track your long-term closing line value on tennis anymore?
1: Uh, not for not for slams. <laughs> slams yeah. are. Well, oh, that's yeah. a great example yeah. of slams. Like the,
0: the, those markets are all over.
1: They're all over the place. Yeah. That there's. I guess here's my general thought. If the community at large who's betting limit into any market is doing it generally the same way, let's say strokes gained approach for golf, for instance. Let's say you know eight, in, nine out of the ten guys are all using the same general framework. The numbers are going to be directionally pointing, you know, the same way most of the time, but let's say you, you know, you go on a crazy trip in the woods and you figure out like, Whoa, humidity (laughs) on the day of the third of the third round matters a ton and no one's factoring in humidity and you, you know, plug that wrinkle into your model and you're the only one that's swimming upstream on one teeny little kind of golden angle. Um, you know, this is this used to happen about b- baseball totals, right? Like some guy, brilliant weather, you know, f- you know, weather predicting genius was like, Holy fucking shit, I can use my uh humidity predictions for and and handicap baseball totals, and then you know, so everybody may be using XFIP versus ERA to move the market in one direction, and he's just waiting until you know, to till till uh, you know first pitch and hitting over under based on what the humidity is no one else knows that that matters like i think those examples exist in every sport and there are lots of them and there will be many more that are figured out and if you're the only person that's kind of doing it a little bit differentiated then you're not always going to get closing line value and i don't think you want it all all the time because the minute you start getting it then you realize that oh i've just convinced the all the other fish to swim with me and now it's a race to the bottom in terms of who can get down the fastest and the next thing you know people are talking about on a podcast and then everyone knows (laughs) (laughs)
2: yeah I think there's sort of two avenues where that exists right you have your sort of your edge like you're describing like oh this thing that no one else is factoring for and I've got it and that exists and I think if I was confident in that then yeah I might just pound that forever and not worry about CLV until I just do until the market catches up then there's the other thing where you know to, not to keep bringing AD up, but you know, like he, he's mentioned to me before, like, oh, if the market's short on a team and I'm not, I'll just continue betting that forever. Or you know, you think about like Rufus and the Jets, like every week Rufus like, oh, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <I've laughs> like I am on the Jets again.
0: i going to bring that up, and
2: it's like I don't have the confidence in myself. You know, maybe I'm just that I just don't have it. So like, if I was always on the same team week after week, I'd be like, all right, I'm doing something wrong. And you know, it could be that the market's not accounting for something that you are. Or it could be like, you know, Rufus, maybe you're just not accounting for the fact that the Jets are, you know, an awful team historically, and it's not like, you know, being accounted for. So there's, there's issues where it could be either one. And obviously, the hard part is knowing which it is.
1: Yeah, you're assuming they fall in a normal distribution, but it's an abnormal distribution. Uh, the you know the, <laughs> the no the have you ever come across a situation where you were like, man, Rufus just freaking loves Harris English every damn week. He's betting Harris English, and the mark the market is always short on him at bookmaker. I know it's him. Uh, his numbers wrong. I'm going to go head to head with them now at this point because I just know that he will lose this matchup this weekend.
2: It's it's tough. I. You know, we, you, you kind of mentioned this earlier, like you understand who does and doesn't affect the market. And pretty quickly, if, if, if you study the market and who opens up where and what, how the lines move, you get an idea. Like, I mean, data golf is a huge factor yeah. in the market. And if, it, if anyone hasn't listened to their podcast that they did with Rufus, it was very interesting and super um, naive on their part. They're like, oh, no, we don't have any impact. And I'm like, you were just out of your mind that you think people aren't hitting your openers hitting what you think are good openers. Otherwise getting off topic here a little bit, but like understanding how a line is shaped and who shaped it is huge because you know, if data golf, just keep it that example, if data golf really loves Paris English this week and I can, you know, I can visually see it cause they, you know, I'm a <laughs> subscriber. I can see exactly the information yeah. <laughs> and you know, bet online openers he's just getting destroyed in every matchup all right so how do i adjust do i complain about the fact that data golf is sharpening the market no i either one i act before them you know in with technology or in other outs and i try to get in front of their movement or if i'm against them like let's say i hate harris english (laughs) all i'm gonna do is let the the you know DG guys move the number to where I want it to be, and then I'm going to hit it, and then they're just going to keep popping it back to me, right? They trust Data Golf, and they're going to keep it going. And it's the same thing, you know. You can plug any person in there for Data Golf if Rufus loves, and you know, Rufus' love affair with John Rom is well documented, and so. I'm I'm almost never anti John Rom, so I suppose I can't give a great example of (laughs) that. I
0: I do feel for Rufus after the (laughs) memorial; like, (laughs) like, didn't deserve that. Like, I'm sure he had a bunch of money. on That sucked, but I mean, you you do raise an interesting point. It's almost like knowing, knowing where the market's going to go before it goes. Like, if you if you have the data, golf info, and you see the openers, you'd be like, "Well, I know which way this is headed." it's almost like being able to predict where a total is going to go like well if i like the under i'll wait if i like the over i'm gonna bet it now like there are yeah. a ton of instances every week where like if you want this matchup you should bet it early yeah
1: if you can tell what warren sharp thinks about given nfl teams then you need to and you like a given total up or down you better bet it on monday because by tuesday it will be gone I you know it, it that, those sort of kind of uh, you know, aspects of kind of gaming within the game are extremely important. And if you're betting golf and you're not looking at data golf just to know why things are moving and how much they're going to move yeah. and why, then you should start there <laughs> realistically, yeah. because that reflects an enormous amount of the, uh, the pool that is really kind of shaping these prices. Um, you want to talk a little, uh, Euro, should we yes, transition?
0: Uh, yeah, let's, uh, let's, did you, you got some brackets?
1: I just have the one bracket uh, that I'm looking at on Wikipedia. Is that fair for you?
0: That's fine. That's fine. I thought we'll zoom drop. in a
1: little bit. I didn't uh, go to the trouble of making our nice, beautiful blue one again.
0: Although. Oh, that's fine. Honestly, that one was tough to see. The Wikipedia one's kind of nice.
1: Yeah, the Wikipedia ones We are not slick.
0: sponsored by Wikipedia. This is just free advertising for them.
1: Yeah. Um. So we have a weird, funny situation here where the draw for the euro is exceptionally lopsided in my opinion. Um, in a normal year you would have your favorites spread out across the various quarters and you could particular you know you could probably postulate up these four teams most likely to make it to each of the quarterfinals and that's fair and we'll fight it out from there. Uh, this year that is not the case. in fact, it is exceptionally lopsided to the top half in my opinion. you have Spain, France, Italy, and Belgium, and Portugal. That is five of your top seven choices pre-tournament, I believe. Um, well,
0: one more time. Say them again.
1: Belgium, Portugal, Italy, France, and Spain. Those were five of your top seven choices pre-tournament.
0: Yeah, and they're, they're five of your top six prices right now. Germany right now. Okay. Is, yep.
1: Okay. Okay. Yeah, that, that's, that's – That leaves a lot to be desired in terms of an entertaining product for some of these games on the bottom half. That's for sure. (laughs) Certainly didn't expect a Sweden Ukraine round of sixteen matchup, nor did I expect a Wales Denmark matchup. Um, But it is what it is. What? uh, Let's talk about the bottom half first. Um, You know, there's nothing. You know, Femi
0: Femi's got a good point right off the bat, and it is (laughs) it is it's just funny how tournament play works. But Germany five minutes plus stoppage time away from. Elimination, elimination, like, special, yeah. like losing the hungry eliminates them all of a sudden, you know, they, they get their goal. They tie, they tie. It wasn't five minutes. So we're, we're, when was that the late goal? Was it 67? Yeah. So no, the it other was a little later. It was a little later. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, later, 67, but...
1: 67, They got their goal. Sixty eight, they gave up. They gave up. The, <laughs> oh the, the yeah, no, goal. the
0: other one was yeah, yeah.
1: It was yeah. bang bang. They were right back back to that. Bang one. bang. Yeah, that was um, that
0: was that was weird for that one. But yeah, essentially, like a team like Germany, who is that close to elimination, all of a sudden it's like, man, you, you could be in the final. Like if you if you play like we saw you play in the second game, and they don't f around, like beat England. Y- it's kind of opening up all the other top teams are at the top. And I think that's probably driving where Germany's prices right now.
1: Yeah, that's fair. And I guess uh, I'll ask Logan a couple of questions here because you have a huge I guess I think of it as a problem or at least, you know, not a problem like, you know, but, but a challenge. Uh, how do you rationalize the likes of a Germany who got here by playing a very tough three sides compared to a team like Wales who backed their way into here. I mean, you know, what do you do with the results that you have and the potential imbalance? Yeah, I mean, ne- Netherlands three matches were very easy. Germany's three matches were very, very tough. And you can break down all the XG data you want. It'll tell you Netherlands is great, and it'll tell you Germany was lucky to get here. Um, but I, I just, I don't know really how to kind of normalize the cha- the the you know strength of opponent that was just in the tiny three match sample that we have to this point, which uh, you know is I, guess, I think a common problem with uh, soccer handicapping.
2: Yeah, I think that's a really good point. If you just dump in XG data, you know it's going to be like okay, well you should probably bet Netherlands against the Czechs, and you know I th- I would guess Denmark had a very good XG too because. You know, like they had 20 shots to five yeah. against Belgium or something crazy like that. Um, the very first thing that you'd want to do is adjust for opponent. And that can be really difficult when you have a small sample size. So, you know, we've talked, it's, someone asked this question recently, like, oh, is it useful to you to model out a sport or to model out a league, rather, if you have small amount of data points or try to have a lot of data points? Well, like, I, Obviously, I didn't like to have a lot of data points but if I have a lot of data points and so does everybody else. So I've always found that I have a bigger edge, the less data points I have, because then it's going to be more reliant on, you know, my priors and how I'm adjusting for opponent and how, if you know how adjusting for how the game actually went. Um, So all those kind of things are just going to be, they're just gonna be hugely important. So, you know, you cannot judge the Dutch strictly on the three games they had, just like you can't do it with Czech or Wales or Denmark or whoever.
0: Well, and, and Denmark too. You, you kind of wonder about like how much how much of that data from the first game do you want to take in, into account at all? Like a game that was yeah. interrupted like that, Great and then point. the second the second half was played. Like who knows? Like that that's completely unquantifiable. But like how how much were that was that team in that game at that point after what had happened? Like <clears throat> that's that's a game where the stats from that seem like fucking garbage to me that's like the kendall hinton game
1: another huge question though how do you also account for home field advantage uh obviously denmark played their asses off with that home crowd supporting them in matches two and three uh similarly you know germany played all three of their matches at home spain played all three of their matches at home netherlands went on the road and got it done for three matches um you know i guess are these factors that uh you know are worth accounting for if you're going to run some sort of uh quantitative model for these uh, round of 16 head to my,
2: my guess is the people who made a bunch of money or will make much money on euro outrights you know other than just luck boxing into picking the right team are people who because of the very unique scenarios that existed you know especially with like who plays where you know England's game could have been like six different places based off not just where they finished, but also where other teams finished, like the third place teams and what four third place teams went. It was all presented different scenarios, different paths to, you, you know, you're looking at it, right? Like, Oh, England could get two home games on a path to then playing a home game for the final, or they could have no home games until the semis and then they get the final. Right. So like the, the difference in hosting the six, round 16 versus being in Copenhagen or something, it's just, it's huge, like you mentioned. So I would guess the people who made a lot of money did it because they correctly modeled out the different scenarios that would exist, how often it falls here, how often it falls here, and to correctly uh, uh, account a bit for, for the different scenarios, and especially stuff like home field and rest, too. Rest is a big one. You know, games range from the 26th to the 29th. Dan pointed out I blew it on Netherlands. They did host
1: Group yep. C. I thought they so the only host the only country the only countries that won groups but didn't host were Belgium, Sweden, and France. Is that right? Yep. England hosted. They won. Italy hosted. Italy, they won. Italy Netherlands hosted. And, they won. Uh, and uh, yeah, okay, all right, okay. Um, so it was three and three. Interesting. Uh, I guess. Andy, what was your take really on Germany getting here?
0: Yeah, and real quick, a question: How much cooler is it at the stadiums that actually allow fans? Like my hot take here is they should scrap all this Wembley bullshit. Have every <laughs> single game at Budapest from here on out. Like that those awesome. those people fuck. Like they that know how to awesome. party. Like yeah. Budapest was awesome looking. So um, I w- I was too concentrated. What do you ask about Germany? I, I guess
1: what are your what is your general expectation of them? At, from this point forward you watched a lot of their matches you have they a have feel a, for germany
0: they have really good players they have a coach i'm not it's almost like a weird lame duck coach situation like if, if they won for nothing in wembley wouldn't surprise me they have a good team and england has shown some some weirdness with the just the lineups and the game plans but they've also like look what they did today like they can they can be beat it, it's a weird team it's probably i was just about to say it's not a match i'm going to bet but I've my pigeonholed myself into betting all the matches. So I will be betting that one, but it will be very hesitantly. I'll probably be looking at, uh, boy, and this is when we can start doing this. Teams to win in penalty props and stuff like that. Like, shit's going to get weird. I'm, it's going to go way past. I've even, I even said that. Somebody asked me, he's like, well, are you done at group stages? Or are you betting all the way through the knockouts? I'm like, not only am I doing that, I will fully yosh the final. If I have to, with whatever, like if I'm down six units, I will find a seven to one prop that, and I will bet it. That's what I, if I need to break even, that's what I will do. So I'm, I'm not excited about this one because Germany has been, I mean, as much as you can say inconsistent when it's a, a 270 minute sample, they're very inconsistent. And what we saw the last time internationally, like the South Korea game. I mean, if you're listening from Germany, your ears are bleeding even hearing about that one. Like it's just, it's been a very weird team, so I, I don't know if I'm super excited about them. but but again, if they play like they did against Portugal, it's like, oh, they're they're in the final. like, yeah yeah, they they beat England and all of a sudden it's they're not looking at home, you know, then then it's Rome and Baku and you know London again in the semis. So then they're not facing anybody who has some home advantage. It'd be, you know likely what Netherlands or Denmark out of the bottom. Probably Sweden. So you go Sweden Netherlands final. Like those are teams that they could be. That that Netherlands game. That I bet that over. I bet.
1: Yeah. So no clean sheets for Germany in this tournament. Interestingly enough, I guess uh, Logan, do your uh, numbers give you any kind of an angle here on England Germany, or does? I mean, right now the market is England plus one fifty eight on the money line, Germany plus one ninety two, and draw is plus. 220 so this is a very very even match by the um you know by the bookmaking. i guess england probably a slight favorite to advance um
0: yeah that sounds
2: not not knowing exactly how to account how much home field to give them you know i think seeing i don't i haven't seen numbers for germany's game today um but they outshot and out XG based on the numbers I looked at both their first two games and against France and Portugal, like that's a significant achievement. Um, and then you compare that to England who gets outshot by Scotland and has, I, I think the number I saw was 22 shots in three games. Like those are rough, rough numbers, especially with England hosting, you know, grinding out a result against Croatia at home is, is not great. So if you start accounting for, some of that stuff, like my initial thought would be Germany's probably short, but maybe playing in London's a huge advantage and you know, other stuff other stuff that you might factor in is like, okay, well, Germany played some at home. So how far are they traveling? Or how many days off do they get? How or what was their last game at? They're traveling directly from there to here. You know, stuff like that would would definitely you know change the number.
0: What was it is it Munich? yeah they were in any,
2: they were yeah. all three in Munich and now they're so flying go, to London and they Munich, on the
0: Munich to London isn't bad yeah
2: mm, actually they played especially expe-
0: well yeah especially there's when there's this, there's a decent break in between huge the group and the and the final or the the knockout round start so um going back to the xg numbers like uh who was it uh, we should give him some shine because he put a nice chart together Alex moretto. Over at the score, he shared those not only XG but um, it was XG differential for every team, and like I didn't have to you know scroll down to the bottom to you know know Croatia was going to be down there. I didn't think they'd be dead mm-hmm. last, but Croatia was dead last. I've had an argument with somebody a little bit about uh, he's a Luka Modric fanboy, and we had some fun with him last time out. They were a very good team, but I you know is Croatia bad? Like are they just kind of a bad team? Like and that group was not strong. I mean, it's just gonna be Well, they beat you know, the, the they
1: they beat the refs in getting a draw in match two.
0: Yeah. And, and and what we saw, like, and you know, I'm super donkey in soccer betting. I'm betting with my hard gut and narratives like I said, hey, Spain is – I essentially bet Spain over because they were due. I'm like, their XG is high, and they've scored like one goal. Like, they're going to explode today. So I'm the absolute just donkey wreck better. Darren Revell getting one right with the five-goal output today. But, like, they looked like they could finish. Maybe they don't start a certain someone. They don't let a certain someone take penalty kicks anymore. And, like, this could just be an ass-whooping. Like, if Spain's going to play like that.
2: Yeah, yeah, I'm with you, man. Good. The the um, chances that Spain has, and, you know, talk more about how XG kind of affects everything. It's, it's you know, Spain's XG is going to look amazing, but did they keep trotting out Murata? And, you know, he's putting away one every 15 chances. That's certainly noteworthy. Yeah, I, off the top of my head, I don't even know who their backup strikers would be. Well, I know the one guy came in and scored in, like, Taurus, his first Yeah. For <laughs> yeah.
0: Twice in, like, ten minutes. Uh, one was an own goal, but, I mean, he was all over the place. He yeah. scored, like, 30 seconds after he came yeah. in. Right. So hopefully, maybe, maybe the coach, uh, the old manager sees something and does something about it. Maybe Murata's just a super sub, and but it's a tough goal because it's Spain, probably, and then France, or Spain... Mm-hmm wins and then they get france right away but i'm hopefully I'm, i do want croatia to lose just because i've been arguing that well since team.
1: andy since you're the narrative guy how much do you hang the uh spanish team getting the vax on some of their lackluster performances <sighs> in game match one and two
0: yeah but it sounds like they're getting like the second shot somewhere in here too
1: oh are they oh. yeah
0: you have to get your second shot i thought they had later. gotten their
1: second shot in the,
0: i don't in know like it's back and forth dan Producer Dan needs to help me he out knows, here maybe. because okay. he, we'd talked about it, but there's I, I thought there was a chance like Spain was going to get the second shot somewhere in the knockouts, which Jesus. all of this sounds like just – I mean, not that Terrible. the vaccine is a horrible idea. Go get your vaccine. Of course. But yeah. like, <laughs> getting it during Logistic the Logistic failure. A, My God.
1: Yeah, not great, uh, Bob. Spain is minus 300 to advance against Croatia. So – Really, we should be asking ourselves, could Sporting KC beat Croatia? They're <laughs> up 2-0, looking good. Right. Um, do you... I guess... I'm, I'm torn on France, obviously. I have some France outrights. I have some France um, liability here. I like their path in general. I like them to beat a Spanish team. I like the, you know, I like them to beat a Swiss team, uh, who I think is wildly overrated, and who has traveled mm-hmm. across the globe now, to t- forward and backward, across the many time zones um, and don't get as much rest. Um, but in the back of my head, there's something about this French team that's not quite right. They, oh, Jesus Christ. Who played: well, this? would put him on
0: like the, the 2nd of Who July. Something
1: like. <laughs> like, oh, my God. Yeah, right
0: before. Oh, my God. I, I'm with, and re- real quick on the, on the top, you know, Drew brought this up off the, off the get-go. Like, it is loaded up top, a lot of good teams up top. But the thing is, you don't have to play them all. Like for, you, you still play the same amount of matches. So like France, it is tough, tough cookies. If you bet them as a favorite and, you know, got like plus 450, I think their numbers like plus four, it's 410 at bookmaker. Right now. Yeah, so I think I have t- a t- t-
1: tiny, tiny, teeny, tiny amount of uh, equity there. But I guess the bigger question problem I have is why doesn't this team look and feel like the world cup team that I remember so fondly from three years ago. And why is it Benzema's fault?
0: <laughs> he scored place today. Take it easy on him.
1: I, I Something about that guy is bad karma, man. I don't know what it is, but they looked a heck of a lot more fun without him on the squad at the World Cup. I guess, what is your uh, what is your read on uh, France Logan?
2: It, it's been interesting because they've essentially been priced as the best team here, right? Pre-tournament and yep. every game. I, you know, I have not, I've hardly bet other than hitting off market stuff. One of the things I I hit was Germany draw no bet plus 106 in the opener when they played France. And it just seemed like such an insane number. I think I even said it to somebody. I was like, has Germany ever been an underdog in Germany? Like, think about how good a team must be to come in there and do it. And France certainly hasn't performed, like you said, they haven't looked like the best team at the tournament. So, Will they be continue to price that way? I, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see.
1: Are you worried about France,
0: Sandy? I'm never worried about anything because it's never done me any <laughs> good. <clears throat> we have this conversation all that worrying, we're worrying we're silly. But no, I mean, no, no. But do you think Belgium, they're overpriced by the market? Is really what I'm asking. It's probably a fair price right now. Like they have a couple of very dangerous players. Like they're a very good team. Maybe we just haven't seen the best of them yet. But I mean, taking on. I mean, probably Italy. Just the way Italy is just skull-effing people right now. And, again, I made this joke with uh, somebody in the chat as we were going on here. Like, again, it, it's awful hard to lose matches if you just never let anyone ever score. <laughs> if you're just going to clean sheet everyone's ass, I guess. Good luck. You know, good luck, Austria. Good luck, probably. God, that might port- – Portugal-Belgium, probably my favorite match in this first round, honestly. Portugal yeah, I'm excited are, about that one.
1: Portugal are f- – they are so mm-hmm. weak down that one side. And Belgium is going to pick them apart. Belgium through to the quarterfinals, I think, relatively comfortably. I will have a decent position on that. And I think Belgium is sneaky better than Italy. I think Italy benefited from playing three matches in Rome, from playing a weak Group A, uh, from playing a Group A that was traveling back and forth between Rome and Baku, Azerbaijan. Uh, and in general, a bunch of guys who were trying to show up and show out in order to get transfer contracts. And mission accomplished, Italy. You did great. Um, but I think the market is wildly overrating this team, and I'm prepared to lose a bunch of money on that in round two if they beat Belgium, because I think you're going to get a decent dog price on Belgium in that matchup just looking at the outright market.
0: It's, it's the pick em right now is plus 113 for Portugal, and that's the match. That's not the advancement.
1: What about Portugal? Oh, what about what about Belgium? I'm looking. I'm already in the future. What about?
0: Belgium? Oh no! This is team to advance. Portugal's plus one thirteen to advance.
1: Yeah, no, I think Belgium is a fair bet to advance. I think Belgium will be a good bet as an underdog to uh, to advance against Italy in the quarterfinals.
0: Oh sure, yeah, that uh, that price will be probably bigger than plus one thirteen.
1: And uh, part of this is Belgium again. They did it on the road. Three, three wins on the road, the middle one, the toughest of all, against a hostile Copenhagen Danish crowd who was uh, just violently supporting their, um, you know, their, their side. That, that, was an, that was an incredible environment. And the fact that they came out at halftime, insert KDB, and just exploded for two goals and get the win in that scenario was extremely impressive to me. More impressive than Italy uh, beating the snot out of a, of a, of a tired Swiss team uh, a terrible Turkish team, uh, and then just, uh, you know, taking care of business against Wales. Who got a red card, by the way.
0: I do need to, and just, you know, for anybody who's been having fun betting some of these tournaments, I, just a quick one for Logan here. Like, is there something to be said for how you approach these matches differently because they're advancement matches, because teams can play, you don't end up with, uh, you know, you're not looking for points at the end. You know, you get some weird stuff like the, the Scotland match the other day comes to mind where it's like, all right, they're dead. Like they have to play open as shit right now because otherwise the tournament's over and you know that one got away from them. But there's there's different kinds of styles of play towards the end of these matches because it's you know a draw just ends up with extra time. Extra time can end up in penalties. Like teams do play this differently or there are there certain managers who you're looking that will just fricking park the bus at like 60 minutes ready to play extra time and not take any chances late. I mean, are there any angles there that people should just I mean, even in if you're starting to play totals, like people should just be aware of now that we're in it. It's, it's a different kind of soccer almost. Yeah, I
2: think from a quantitative standpoint, it's always important that really when you model anything out is you've got to ask, all right, how might this be different than things I've modeled out otherwise you know if you're talking about oh i was modeling out a group stage and now i'm modeling out a knockout stage what has changed um like a more obvious soccer example would be a league game you know a normal saturday league game and this is this and then on wednesday it's a cup game and so there are very obvious things that you can quantitatively change um but then there are also things you know we talked about our subjective adjustments like there are things you need to adjust for you know i somebody has always mentioned like um I can't remember who it is, someone was like, oh, Man City's playing so-and-so on Wednesday, and they've already got the league locked up, so they'll probably rest people, on, so I'm going to take the other side. It's like, I mean, if you've ever seen Pep manage, like, he, his first off, his B squad is the, the third best team in the EPL, right? So that's first thing. Yeah. The second thing is, like, he just does not have this, oh, let's take it off. I remember I watched the um, Amazon Prime did the documentary on him one year, a couple years back, and you know they were going. They had already locked up the league, and they were eliminated from the Champions League. And like every team talked to did, he was like, "We are going for the most points in the history of the EPL," and it was like it was like they were playing for the Champions League final in every game. So like, certainly a manager impact is is something to note.
0: Well, and and it just seems like the I don't want to say laziest because that seems too negative, but it's probably the right word. Like if you say like, "Hey, this team has the league locked up," like I think I have an angle on this uber-efficient worldwide market. Like, hey, buddy, you're not the only one who knows the league is locked up in Man City. Like, I feel like some of these things may be baked into the line already.
1: Well, speak. I mean, and yeah, it's like, like PATH, I mean, obviously, you would think PATH is baked into the current Netherlands price, but um, they seem to be the only meaningful uh, side that is down in that bottom quarter uh are we giving short shrift to denmark who played a pretty impressive match two and match three and uh has decent xg stats or do you think this is the dutch quarter to lose in q4
2: logan yeah i'd love to see i know you mentioned someone did like xg goal difference i uh, off the top of my head i would maybe guess denmark is the best or like top three i'll
1: pull it up i think they were third or fourth
2: yeah i mean obviously you've got italy who domino dominated everybody and i guess the netherlands kind of did too um but yeah it felt like denmark was did awesome and then if you you know just for opponent you're it, out shooting belgium without christian erickson I mean, that's just wild i see it now number four four
1: point one six Yeah, no, that I yeah I could not agree with you more. It was especially uh,
0: you know we talked about if you want to scrap that game, that number has that game in it, like a a game that they lost, like that. That uh, if you want to just wait it, like take that one out and wait it like per ninety minutes or something. Bet Denmark looks even better.
1: XG tells us Italy's defense was the best, although adjust for opponent because they played no one at home, and and then it would tell you that uh, Wales' defense was the worst. I will definitely be on. Denmark team total over in that head to head. That'll be a fun one because XG goals for Denmark created a lot of really dangerous chances. That was a really impressive performance for them. They they had a chance to win Group B if they weren't in there with the Dynamo uh, Belgium team. So interesting, uh, interesting way that this shook out. I kind of want to get involved in some Denmark to get through to the semifinals personally. Not just because of the XG stuff. Not just because the you know kind of the the weight that this tournament has taken on them from a narrative standpoint um but the um you know the whales matchup is really favorable for them and then netherlands similarly netherlands gives up opportunities they're poorly managed we know all of this. uh i know our guy dan is high on the netherlands now and you used, you've turned heel you're yeah, high on the heel. netherlands
0: now well, just um, they look good like you can't you can't fight against a team that the stats are there and they're looking good i mean again opponent opponent adjusted i suppose but
1: they're basically even odds to get to the semifinal. do you think that's a fair price netherlands
0: probably a little that's probably a little off are we gonna get a tie what we are yeah
1: you're you're gonna get your 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 fourth straight tie (laughs) we're gonna get if
0: (laughs) we're gonna if you would have and this is just using flash scores numbers this is a total like uh god who's like a shitty company who does this like if imagine if you'd have put a hundred dollars on every tie today, but yeah, if you'd have parlayed the euros and the Copa America ties, it'd have paid about four twenty to one, four hundred and twenty to one. You parlay Group your F. ties Group and you should have
1: Copa America ties four four leg parlay four twenty okay. to one
0: and round robin. You should round robin if you're really doing that too, I suppose. <laughs>
1: Round robbing the draw is a plus EV move. I've, I've, I've always heard that. Um, in seriousness, though, uh, I'm going to take Denmark coming out of the fourth quarter. Andy, you're going to go Netherlands?
0: That would, I honestly think Germany. I'm just doing it.
1: No, no, um, I fourth quarter. Just, just, oh, fourth, just the fourth, quarter? fourth quarter? Yeah.
0: yeah. No, you're going to stick with the Dutch? Denmark, De- Denmark? Denmark and a coin flip. I'll, I'll stick okay. with
1: you. Okay. How about uh, Germany in Q3?
0: Whoever wins the Germany England game, we'll okay. go Germany. Just I'm for surprised. Love, love Sweden's two
1: advance price, by the way. Sweden two advance price is pretty favorable in my mind. What would you guess without looking, Andy? Sweden's
0: ad- two to advance, what, no. minus 200? Uh, I think it's like minus 143. Hang on a second. Really? Uh, I would have thought okay. it was bigger. I was uh, higher on Ukraine a little bit. They look good against the Dutch, but they're a little s- squirrely. They're a squirrely team.
1: Sweden two advance, minus 137.
0: I was way off. Yeah, Sweden to advance is
1: gonna be that's gonna be a bet. Um, Belgium, I like Belgium to get through here over Italy. You gonna go with Italy, Andy?
0: I'll go Italy in the first quarter, France in the second.
1: Okay, just because that'll
0: be a killer match.
1: All right, Logan, do you disagree with us in terms of Final Four anywhere?
0: Please
2: disagree. (laughs) I wish I had a strong enough opinion to disagree, but unfortunately, I do not.
0: I like it. I'll take that too. I'll take who, do you, who, who do you who do who, who do you
1: like between Belgium and Italy? Is my narrative town enough of an angle here to, to give you a, a little a little bump on Belgium as a dog to advance from the Q, Q, QF to the semis?
2: I've I've been super. Uh, all the matches I've watched, which unfortunately has not been all of them, but as many as I have, every Italy game they've looked amazing. I, I the only question for Belgium would be the Denmark game where. They got outplayed. We have talked a little bit about, you know, oh, we need to adjust for this, you need to adjust for that. That's another point, too, is um, Andy mentioned, like, oh, should we even use the Denmark Finland game? Well, that's a good question. E- even if you think, like, oh, okay, well, Denmark, a lot. you see this a lot of times is massive underdog team one gets an early goal or, a, you know, a goal when it's to go up 1 0, and then just the entire game script flips. And the heavy favorite just constantly attacking, sending crosses, blah blah blah. It that also has to be an adjustment for that too, because the advantage of I'm trying to put this in the perfect words here, the advantage of Finland scoring a second goal is very low relative to the value of them scoring their first goal. Whereas now the value of you know Denmark scoring their first goal has gone way up. So, but that works both ways, right? So now Finland's massively incentivized to just not allow Play another defense. goal. Yep. So all these adjustments have to be made. So I, I know I keep harping on the word adjustments for
0: everything. Well, no, but, but really I mean, it, it's stuff it. we do in the NFL too. When you not, you know, pregame, we try to put together a game script that we believe is what's going to happen to help, you know, shape our numbers. And, you know, we have our numbers and then we look at some game script and be like, this is why this, this total, could go way over because of this X, Y, and C are likely to happen more likely than the other way. And then when you look at a game and you start looking back at like, why did this game go this way? Like, let's look back at that, that Chiefs Texans game. Like, Hey, there was 80 points scored. Well, yeah. Like if, if <laughs> the best offense in the world goes down by four scores, like you, you can th- like their offensive numbers are going to look a lot different than, you know, if they were up, 14, 20 to nothing early. Like they could have probably taken the brakes, you know, put the brakes on like game, game script is super important and yeah, things can go, things go sideways in a hurry when an an underdog takes a lead.
1: Yeah, I agree. And honestly, that Belgium game two against Denmark, they were off of difficult travel flying from St. Petersburg to Copenhagen, short rest, no KDB in the first half. Uh, They they didn't have their best lineup in the first half at all. Uh, They give up the early, shocker of a goal and they were really thinking okay at minute 10 we got to remember to pass it out of bounds as a sign of goodwill Uh, you know like everything about that first half from them was just so bizarre I'm more than willing to throw that out and I think Belgium is more dangerous than the market is currently pricing them even though they have the path of freaking death they have to take out Portugal, Italy, France, and then potentially Germany or Netherlands or Denmark or, or England. I mean, it's, this is they, they're going to have to get it done themselves, so it's no point in playing their future.
0: Have you looked at
1: time Yeah, I'm looking I mean, at them right now.
0: Are there any that you would say, like, right now, like, I, I would have to consider, God, did they just come down? Oh, there they are, Euros. I, was looking I, would, at, like,
1: I would consider more so than I would take Belgium plus 900. I would take right now Lukaku plus 600 to be top goal scorer. I think it's um, a two, that is a that is a two man race between yeah. him and Ronaldo. He has a two goal deficit to make up, and uh, he is going to have four more, three more matches to do it than Ronaldo is. And Ronaldo is not getting a goal in that Belgium Portugal match.
0: Well, and the, yeah, that's the thing. It's super correlated. Like if Lukaku scores a goal, that really hurts. You know, Ronaldo's chances of scoring goals in the next round because he will be at home. Like that's, you know, the the high correlation on just betting on that. I like that better than betting Belgium, too. I'm already knee-deep in Lukaku stuff, so we're going to stay off that.
1: Plus just the effort that Belgium is going to have to pour to get to the final at that point. And if you have them at 9-1 to and they get there, you're not going to get as favorable a price to to lay that off if you want to. Uh, And they might be out of gas. (laughs) So, you know, it's going to be a hell of a freaking world, a hell of a road for them to to get this title. And they might have to play England in London. Uh, which is obviously yeah. not not a great not a great setting for a final. All right, well let's let's wrap it up. Sports talk, I guess. Before we put a bow on this and let you go, Logan, I am I am I'm, I must ask you because this has been in the back of my head now for like a year. Uh, you, you said one day I'm going to go on a podcast and tell the Cashout King story. Please let it be this podcast <laughs> this time, so that I can finally figure out uh, what is going on in the world of the Cash Out King.
2: All right. So I, I know you guys are familiar, but just the, the smallest little bit of background. Cashout King became Twitter famous for having huge limits. And um, the background on that is he was betting at um, Bet Rivers, which I believe is based out of Illinois, or at least that's where one of them was. And, yep. you know, I'm jumping ahead to a conversation he and Spanky and I had, but the reason he got those such high limits is his parents and family were very high rollers at that casino. So because they were high rollers, they were like, Hey, I'm happy to give you high limits. And he went public with it and posted tickets on Twitter and whatever. He gets really big after he hits the million dollar ticket for Morikawa. I can't remember what event it was, but that was like the catalyst. It was
1: the PGA championship.
0: Yeah. I think it was Harding park or was it his? yeah.
2: So that, that takes it off. That, or that takes him off in terms of things. So the obvious thing at this point is groups. He became an obvious target, right? Here's oh. a whale. I can get down any amount I choose on whatever I want. Spanky I would love was to get was drooling. Home. And so Spanky gets home. And he, sends, he sends out the tweet. And it's like, we're going to make a bunch of money together, blah, blah, blah. And so I don't totally remember how I got connected with Spanky. <laughs> I do numbers for a group that is very close to Spanky, and I think that's what it was. And so, basically, what had happened was in their conversation, spanking Cash Out King. (laughs) Cash Out King's opinion was that he could beat any sport at like sixty percent. The only one he would struggle with is MLS. It's also worth (laughs) noting that the day of this conversation, he had bet a hundred grand on MLS that morning. (laughs) The same, while simultaneously, that's the only thing he can't beat. Um, I remember this now. (laughs) So. (laughs) <laughs> he's D- obviously we're like all right it's total degen the same time we're starting it there's lots of stories about him sniffing people already and it's already kind of come up that he might owe people some money so Ooh, anyways yes. he uh so him and spanky connect like all right i want to the only thing i want to help with on is M- is mls so that's right. how, how spanky and i connect like okay we're gonna maybe give him some M- you know we're gonna talk to him about mls so let's figure out what we can do so we hop on a call Talking out, obviously, it's a huge feeling out process for Spanky. He's trying to figure out what this guy's thinking, what we might be able to do together, etc. And I do, you know, no talking. I'm muted the entire time because I'm laughing hysterically about this conversation. <laughs> and I mean, I mean, you can imagine the arrogance that exists in a person to be like, I, well, I can beat any sport 60%. <laughs> at, at some point, Spanky says something like, you know, well, if MLS goes well, maybe we can work together on. You know NFL. He's like, no, nah, not necessary. Don't need you. Blah, blah, blah. I'm, I'm thinking like, just imagine, imagine the call to say such thing. So I'll wrap up to the end. We have this long conversation, talk about all the different ins and outs of how it might work, and then ju- the call is literally wrapping up, and somewhat unsuspiciously, he's like, just want to let you know, we're just going to give it one shot, and if we win, we keep going. But if you lose, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> And so like at this one point, game? yeah, like if you get it wrong, one bat. It, it's over. We're done. We're not working together anymore. <laughs> so at this very point, pragmatic <laughs> of him. Yeah, yes. Yeah. At but, this yes. point, Spanky's like, "All right, I I have to explain variance to this guy." So you know, he's going on a conversation, explaining, you know, fifty-six percent, blah blah blah. And he goes, he says something along the lines of, "Like, you know, if 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 we win fifty-six percent of the time in NFL, then we're ecstatic. or so happy." And he's like, "Yeah, but I don't need you for that because I can hit sixty percent of my own." And Spanky's line was so good. He goes, yeah, I don't know why the fuck I didn't think of that. Like, <laughs> like yeah, obviously, you're getting at 60%. Why would I offer that to you? Um, yeah, so, so, and so, it's just math. <laughs> uh-huh. So we end the call. And, I, you know, you can imagine jaws dropped. Like, we don't even know what to say. Eventually comes the decision, like, let's just not go forward with this. No. There's enough red flags to not move in at all. And so, you know. He does what he does and he's no longer on Twitter and sounds like he has some other problems, which should not be a surprise to anybody. But uh, yeah, yeah. it was quite the adventure. He
1: definitely ripped off a lot of people on Twitter through, you know, the one of the older tricks in the book of, you know, hey, I'll give you an offer that's too good to be true and book your action and then only pay if, you know.
0: That kind of goes back to my advice from earlier in the pod as far as like if you're modeling something and you, you make it minus 200 and it's even money in a major market, like it's too good to be true and there's an issue. It goes with a lot of things in life. Like if if, if somebody's offering you the wrong price on a, a market and they're booking and you don't know them and nobody's vouched for them, you're not going to win. Like you're getting free roll. Don't do that. <laughs> like some, some yeah. people learn that the hard way, but yeah, don't give people money on Twitter. Yeah.
1: And yeah, it seemed like he had some legal issues as well. And probably, uh, probably, you know, you don't want to bring the feds back
2: into your life if you're spanky, I would imagine. Yeah, it was an easy, <laughs> obviously, you can imagine it ended up being a very easy pass and ended up working out well for those who chose not to move forward
1: okay cool 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 yeah. well let's let's wrap it up here i appreciate all the time you gave us this was a super fun to kind of dig into the guts of uh you know the way you look at the market and and it always helps me to talk through this stuff so i, I sincerely appreciate it um andy best of luck to you betting every game of the euros the <laughs> knockout
0: <laughs> stages um, i wish you I'm, i honestly I, i'm five and you know let's do just tout life short sample size I'm i don't want like wanna, five and one
1: i don't want like, to challenge you to something that's you know that's out of your out of your reach but you should just do just bet to advance every every single match and just see if you can that's beat that's the just, closing just price like, no, just see if you can beat the closing price on to advance every single match right just bet what you think there what, what you think the where, uh what side do you think they right, the edges and and see if you got it cuz we got fair. How many matches we got left? There's eight plus four plus two, plus, plus, one. One plus,
0: two plus one and a third place yeah. match. Oh, is there? A, oh, nice. Yeah. there's oh, a third So place
1: there's 16, 16 matches left. 16 okay. matches. Cool, cool, cool. Um, All right. Well, best of luck to you and your endeavor. And, uh, you know, I learned a lot and have a lot to think about about my personal soccer and golf. We'll and
0: slack, buddy.
1: <laughs> That's right. Yeah. In all right. And slack. I look forward to uh, I look forward to taking the pot in the. And the open Calcutta the open uh, the open yeah I'm is it I'm not now proper uh, to
0: call it the British Open that's how I grew up I don't think you can anymore it. that's it's yeah. mm-hmm. racist
1: I think actually even <laughs> saying that you probably jinxed yourself and you shouldn't bet it mm, yeah
0: <laughs> it's like how we don't have the skins game anymore
1: yeah <laughs> 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 all like right to. let's let's wrap it up I'm gonna hit the music thanks again and uh, oh yeah where can people find you on Twitter So they can catch your, uh, uh, your insightful uh, thoughts on the gambling space and personalities hired by certain broadcasting companies (laughs) and whether or not it's correct or incorrect. (laughs)
2: Yeah. uh, I'm probably not worth following on Twitter, although people continue to do so. Um, It's, my name with an underscore and a nine at the end. So I don't. I don't even you. know if
1: you knew this, but uh, I w- thought you had done another podcast at one point, and I wanted to listen to it so I could make sure I didn't say anything stupid during this interview. And I was looking you up on you're looking up your Twitter handle on Google, and like the first ten hits are all stories about Kelly in Vegas getting fired, and your tweet is featured in every single story. <laughs> did you know that? <laughs> I did not. That's
0: <laughs> the, the only one I've ever been featured in is when I posted a picture of a baby... (laughs) Alligator walking across the Sand Dune, or, or one of those it was at like in Charleston, um, yeah. Hiltland, in, right? char- in Charleston. And, yeah, it was Kiwa. Yeah. Kewa, yeah. W- one it was like a baby alligator a crocodile. Honestly, I don't know which one. I, I'd have it to was take jaw. it was an American alligator because it was American, American, American alligator. Yeah. yeah. But I, I posted a picture of that and like Yahoo had a, a post like there's alligators on the course. Here's some garbage fluff piece <laughs> that we wrote. And it and my tweet was featured, and somebody somebody sent it. it was like it's Apple news. Apple, yeah. Apple, yeah apple, news, it was like Apple news. Ag- news
1: your tweet about
0: an alligator on the golf course. Yeah, somebody on somebody on Slack reached out, like, hey, your tweets in some weird article about alligators. I'm like, oh, I, you know, I fancy myself as a bit of an alligator originator. <laughs> <laughs> All so, right. Jesus, well best of luck. Best
1: of luck on the rest of the Euro. Um, let's go sporty KC 3-0. I think we can put that one to bed and uh, we will Walk catch you. We'll catch you. Yeah we'll we'll catch you in the Slack. Thanks. Thanks man. Oh, I cut him off. That was my bad. Yeah, that was awful. Yeah, That's sloppy funny. by me. Well, it's only
0: been 370
1: episodes. <laughs> 371?
0: <laughs> hey, That's... did
1: you see Brazil busted your your draw parlay?
0: Yeah, I know it. Man, if you had place to have placed a 14 draw parlay. <laughs> oh, partly. my God.
1: Imagine how pissed you would be. You made yeah. it like, minute 90 plus what? How, how late in the? How late was it?
0: I remember I was using some... 90 calls. plus 10? 90 yes. plus 10? It's Brazil. They're going to give them
1: 10? as much time as they Dude, need. That is some that is some serious that that feels very Conca cafe